This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. Thank you for joining us on this June 26th edition of Real Talk on this Monday. Major developments over the weekend in Russia, what appeared to be an attempted coup, a rebellion against Russian President Vladimir Putin, stopped in its tracks, halted. What about it was legitimate and what was not? What prompted it? What does it mean for the war in Ukraine, for the future of Putin? For the future of Russia, we go in just 30 seconds from now to Eurasia Group President Ian Bremer. He's an expert in this kind of stuff. He advises on politics and business when it comes to the the geopolitical developments, and this certainly qualifies. Plus, the Titan sub, the wreckage of that submersible discovered over the weekend, bringing some closure i suppose for families or perhaps prompting more questions than answers about what ultimately caused the death of the five individuals on board that vessel bound to explore uh, the titanic as it sits on the ocean floor charles adler joins us to get into that we're going to talk about developments on the national broadcast media front bell media wants to drop local news what will canada's regulators say toronto electing a new mayor today and a prominent alberta physician dr dina hinshaw sent packing just a few days ago we have a letter from a real talker a physician dr rick You're not going to want to miss it. That's all coming up in this episode of Real Talk. We wanted to let you know that this episode is presented by our friends at We Know Training. It's not news to anybody that the cost of living is, well, it's basically been skyrocketing over the last year or so. But you know what goes hand in hand with that? probably don't have to tell the entrepreneurs out there the cost of doing business has gone up too if you need to boost your revenue one of the best things you can do is to create a standout training program we know training is your best training partner for creating courses and programs that sell they've helped associations they help regulators nonprofits, and, and more generate millions of dollars in revenue without any extra work for their teams when it comes to creating, managing, and selling those training courses. If this is resonating with you and you want to learn more, visit weknowtraining.ca today and see what they can do for your business. Well, it was, uh, of course, an event uh, or a series of events that captured the attention of the world over the weekend as a Russian uh, mercenary group, the Wagner Group, advanced on key Russian targets, of course, the international community, many of you, I'm sure, tuning in through the overnight hours to try to get a sense of what this all means. We wanted to bring in one of the most uh, informed and uh, certainly reputable experts on this, and we're grateful that Ian Bremer has made time for us. Ian is the president and founder of Eurasia Group, as well as G Zero Media, and he's joining us live from New York. Ian, thanks for making time for us. Were you surprised to see this go down over the weekend? Maybe you can give us a sense of of what led up to this. Uh, Not surprised that it went down. Indeed, I had written on uh, last Monday uh, that uh, it was an unsustainable position for Prigozhin uh, because I had never seen insubordination like that uh, under Putin. 
And, and, you know, people get imprisoned and assassinated for a lot less than what Prigozhin had done. Uh, he had been ordered first by the Minister of Defense, who he's been criticizing in dramatic fashion, and then by Putin himself, that all Wagner forces needed to sign direct contracts to be under the MOD, the Ministry of Defense. And, and Prigozhin refused because that was his power base. So, I mean, he was essentially dead man walking and under unprecedented pressure with a number of his subordinates having been assassinated over past weeks. Um, you know, I, I can't even imagine, you can't imagine, Ryan, what kind of emotional pressure, what kind of sensibilities. I mean, this is not a man who has normal decision making function. Given all of this, um, he decided to go after Moscow, go after Putin. I, I was surprised. Uh, that after coming so close to Moscow, uh, he suddenly had a deal with the Kremlin. Uh, and and here, I mean, it's it's likely the fact that he just did not have any support inside Moscow, um, that the the troops that were not firing on him uh, on through Rostov uh, in the southern district, the city that he had captured, and and Voronezh and and along the way, uh, troops in Moscow uh, have special authority. They report directly into the Kremlin. They're far better trained. Uh, he probably felt like this was suicide. It was the end of the end of the line, end of the rope. But I mean, the fact that he's cut a deal with the Kremlin, it's not like Putin can afford to let this guy walk around and as a free man. Uh, I mean, this was this was a man that the Kremlin said was a traitor. And his Wagner group needed to be liquidated literally 24 hours before. So I, I suspect that he is not long uh, for this world. Uh, and and that that's that is kind of where we stand in terms of, you know, this this coup such as it was uh, in the early days. Yeah. And I mean, and, and the, the, the word from Putin himself directly talking about being stabbed in the back, talking about traitors, essentially calling on the Russian people, including Russian troops to to show their full support. And then all of a sudden there's a deal. Is this the type of thing where where Russia's president can it can can attempt to in, in a way sweep this all under the rug and pretend like nothing happened? Pretty dramatic language to about face less than 24 hours later, isn't it? Well, I mean, even Russian state media uh, today has been unable um, to, to pretend that this doesn't matter. And there has been a fair amount of reporting inside Russia uh, that this was, you know, sort of a day of infamy of, of you know, sort of a, a unique and unprecedented challenge against the Kremlin. Keep in mind that uh, Mr. Prigozhin has been directly created by Putin. Uh, he was a Putin contractor uh, that's why they called him Putin's chef, uh, is because he used to run catering for the Kremlin, became an oligarch uh, under under Putin's tutelage. The military forces that he built up that became the most powerful paramilitary group in the world did not appoint, did not run up in authority through the Ministry of Defense. It it was it basically was directly under Putin's authority, and and uh, Mr. Prigozhin and his troops have been lionized over the past months for being some of the hardest fighters uh, and also having some of the very limited successes on the ground, including in Bakhmut in Ukraine, on the front lines. So to go from that to becoming enemy number one for the Kremlin, uh, fighting in this march of justice against Russia, shooting down Russian planes, killing Russian uh, jet fighter pilots. I mean, this is this is a staggering 
show of weakness uh, on the part of Putin. You don't get to challenge uh, the the world's uh, you know sort of un- unconstrained dictator in this fashion. And so, no, you can't just sweep it under the rug. Now, I do want to say that over the last forty eight hours, there hasn't been a single Russian military leader or political leader or oligarch that has broken ranks with Putin. Uh, none that have said we support Wagner. Uh, you didn't see, you know, sort of a, a run to the exits or people trying to get out of Dodge, leave the country. Uh, you know, they did stick with Putin. So Wagner uh, was a major threat. Um, but, um, you know, the fact is that Putin was tested um, and the Putin's forces, uh, at least thus far, uh, have held together. So, Ian, is it fair to say that, uh, you know, on two fronts now, Putin's fighting maybe a, a bit of a, can I call it a PR war, you know, within Russian borders anyway, or, and, and certainly internationally, the, the the war in Ukraine losing some ground, obviously, I think, becoming tougher to defend if you're a Putin loyalist. And then this, I mean, are these sort of back-to-back blows to, to Putin's strength right now in leadership? Well, it, it is fair to say, and indeed, if you're trying to understand why why it could possibly be that Putin wouldn't destroy this guy yesterday um, and why he'd let him live, I think the answer is in your question. It's the fact that if he had decided to order uh, his forces to attack and kill Prigozhin and his men, um, that was going to be an enormous distraction from the front lines in Ukraine. Uh, the second most powerful paramilitary group um, fighting with the Russians uh, in Ukraine belongs to Mr. Kadyrov, uh, the uh, the warlord of Chechnya, and they were returning to Russia to fight against Wagner. There would have been a need to move a lot of those forces that the Russians have in the front lines to deal with a, a full-fledged fight against Wagner. So the timing for Putin was deeply problematic. And now, of course, he is getting those troops on the ground in Ukraine to all sign up underneath the MOD, um, it is a real challenge for him. And now the Ukrainians, to be fair, they've been fighting this counteroffensive for several weeks now. It hasn't gone very well. They haven't retaken much territory, but they haven't used most of their troops. They have about 11 divisions that are fully trained and equipped by NATO, mostly the US and the UK. And only two and a half of those divisions so far have been actively involved in fighting. So, you know, the fact is that Putin understands that there's a lot more to come that they need to actively defend against. And fighting a two front war, one inside Russia and one with the Ukrainians was not something Putin wanted to do. Uh, Ian, I I was following your Twitter uh, as this was happening. You were sort of live tweeting your thoughts on this. And one of them, you you show photos side by side of of Putin and Prigozhin. You, You state the enemy of our enemy is our enemy. Take us into that. Yeah, well, I mean, let's be clear. Uh, Prigozhin is a war criminal many times over, personally involved in terror on the ground in Ukraine and elsewhere. Uh, Savage mercenaries, some untrained with all sorts of brutality uh, coming from Russian prisons, Russian convicts that were assigned over to Wagner. This is one of the most criminal elements on the planet today. And so, I mean, frankly, uh, as much as everyone wants to see the back of Mr. Putin, 
um, a Russia run by Prigozhin would probably be considered even more problematic, even more brutal, um, even more antagonistic towards the West. If you can imagine that, then Vladimir Putin's Russia. So it's not like the United States, Canada and NATO allies were sitting back saying, we hope Prigozhin wins and takes Putin out. That was absolutely not the case. Um, so, <laughs> you know, there, there, there wasn't uh, there wasn't a pro-democracy, uh, let's develop peace with Ukraine and the West option on the table this weekend. Yeah. Uh, Ian, I don't know if you saw this tweet from Valina Chekarova, but she, she essentially implies that, you know, this is the beginning of Putin's election campaign. Uh, and I don't know how much faith people put in Russian elections, but regardless, March 17th, 2024, uh, describes Prigozhin as a lapdog, says he's masquerading a coup uh, to shift blame for losing the war against Ukraine. You think that might be the case? Uh, that sounds like a conspiracy theory and like all great conspiracy theories, the fact that there is no evidence for it makes the conspiracy even deeper and stronger. <laughs> um, this is the kind of thing that you and I wouldn't even discuss a couple of years ago. But with social media being what it is um, and with the promotion of disinformation, verification no longer being about um, individuals that have a level of expertise, but instead anyone that pays 11 bucks a month. Uh, you have to deal a lot more with this. And so, no, I, I certainly wouldn't put any stock uh, in in that uh, sort of quote unquote analysis. OK, people can check out uh, what your team does. I mentioned you're the president, you're the founder of Eurasia Group, uh, EurasiaGroup.net. Essentially, what your group does, what you do is help investors and business decision makers understand the impact of politics and geopolitical developments on risks and opportunities in foreign markets. What does this mean for North Americans? What does this mean for Canadians that are watching this this week, if anything? Um, well, one thing that matters is that it's going to be harder to get an extension um, of the grain deal, the Black Sea grain deal that's been going rolling over every three months, in part because the Ukrainians are feeling more confident and they want to see the Russians take more economic punishment. And if that happens and the deal breaks apart, remember, this is a deal between two adversaries. It's between the Russians and the Ukrainians that's been negotiated by the U.N. Secretary General and by the Turkish president. That falls apart. Um, it means inflation's going up. Uh, it means that food prices, fertilizer prices are going up. So obviously that matters for Americans and Canadians. Uh, the other thing uh, that matters here um, is the fact that we have a leader, Mr. Putin, with 6,000 nuclear warheads, the largest cyber criminal networks on the planet, uh, biological weapons and the rest, that is increasingly a rogue state acting with impunity in his own borders and in Ukraine and facing a real threat internally. Um, and that's a dangerous thing. It's a good thing that the Ukrainians have more capacity to retake their land, to defend themselves more effectively. It's a bad thing that you have that much destructive power in the hands of someone who increasingly is in a corner and unstable. Now, I want to be clear. He's in a corner, not because the West put him in a corner. He's in a corner because he decided to make the worst judgment call of any leader since the fall of the wall in invading Ukraine back a year ago, February 24th, but he's now paying very serious consequences and not just in Ukraine, not just with an expanded NATO, not just 
uh, with the sanctions and the freezing of his assets coming from the U.S., Canada and the G7, but also internally in Russia itself. Ian, uh, you've got a hard out. you got to go. We appreciate your team making you available to us. Real quick question as we wrap. Hard swerve, different subject matter. Last time you joined us on the show was January 7th, 2021, the day after the attack on the U.S. Capitol. And you and I talked about the future of Trumpism. People can search that in our archives on YouTube and on the podcast. Real quick, is Trump going to secure the Republican nomination? And, and what do you see right now? with a ways to go obviously obviously a lot still to happen what does trump's political future look like in the u.s uh trump certainly looks like he's going to get the nomination i'm not uh, you don't need a crystal ball uh to say that uh right now and most of the republicans in the party most of the leadership if he secures the nomination will support him fully uh in the run for 2024. And given that uh, Trump has no no willingness to accept a Democratic outcome unless he wins, uh, that, of course, represents a challenge to the legitimacy of U.S. political institutions. A lot of unprecedented things happening in the United States. Let me close by linking these two topics together. In some ways, what we've seen in Russia in the last 36 hours is a much more extreme version of what you saw in the United States on January 6th that day, uh, which is something that was previously considered unthinkable, unprecedented. And yet the day after, everything went back to normal. So has anything really changed? And what's changed, of course, is this symbolic sense that there's a deeper structural threat to the political system itself. In the United States, the legitimacy of political institutions and democracy in Russia, the ability of Putin to have uncontested dictatorial rule over his people. Ian Bremer, president of Eurasia Group and founder of G Zero Media. Check out gzeromedia.com for great analysis by Carlos Santamaria. So Putin survived. Now what? Thanks a lot, Ian. See you, Ryan. Be good. You can let us know what you think about this talk at ryanjesperson.com is where you can send us an email. We're going to get to one from Dr. Rick on a different subject matter in just a second. Uh, John Hicks, the producer of this show. I know you had a busy weekend. You were down at VegFest. I want to oh talk to you about gosh. that. Were you, were you like scrolling your phone at three in the morning watching all this stuff go down in <laughs> Russia? Or was that kind of flying under the radar so, a little bit? So I'm trying to enjoy the sunshine. I'm trying to get you know into yeah. that vibe. And I see all the, I, I'm like, oh, Monday's going to be a banger. It's going to be we a good go. one. And I'm seeing all the Titan stuff as well coming in. It was just, it was, it's like you're trying to be positive. And then the world's just, you know, hell in a handbag, right? Yeah. Charles Adler will join us for a bit to talk about that that Titan submersible. Obviously, a, a sad outcome. I think the outcome that everybody... I, I think people yeah. sort of thought that those five souls on board that vessel weren't mm -hmm. going to be saved but people were wondering where are are they drifting around you know gasping for air or yeah. did the thing implode or whatever and, and now we know from those remote operated vehicles we were talking about sightings yeah. of of wreckage on the ocean floor near titanic so we know the fate of those i, I read kind of a, a sad story not kind of it's it's brutal obviously but the the 19 year old kid that was on there i guess yeah. he had brought a rubik's cube down did you read this yeah to, he was to eager waste to waste away a, the time well he wanted to set a guinness world record for mm -hmm. the 
for the, the you know the fastest Rubik's cube on the on the ocean floor or yeah. something like that. I mean, just like a kid, nineteen years old. <laughs> and you're hearing he didn't even want to go. He was deathly afraid, and he did it for his dad. Kind of a, a post Father's Day present to Yeesh. him going down there, and it was just like. And now we've got the. We're going to be talking about this for weeks because now there's a subsequent investigation, right? And they're they're going to look at the black box or whatever the equivalent is for mm-hmm. a submarine and, and hear, you know, the talking back and forth and see what went wrong. And I'm sure someone will be blamed in the end, but I think it's just a tragedy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Kathy says Putin has made uh, Prigozhin a Belarusian problem. I'm sure they'll take care of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Belarus allied with Russia for sure, at least. Uh, well, you don't want to get my analysis on what's going on there. But uh, and, and I love this one. Who was it from Karen or someone said or Tony rather? How did you score Ian Brammer? Holy smokes. Smokes. That's a gooder. Yeah, good to get him. Called then, me from New York this morning. I was like, "Oh, did he really? Here we go. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. he's the guy knows what he's talking about clearly, and, and we're grateful that he made himself available. Uh, we're going to bring our, our focus and our attention a little bit closer to our home province of Alberta in just a second. I uh, want to talk to you about uh, Dr. Dina Hinshaw's dismissal alongside another physician, uh, Dr. Esther Tailfeathers. I don't know if you caught this story, um, but really interesting development, and it, and it says a lot. I don't probably have to tell you. I don't have to remind you. I don't think that uh, Dr. Dina Hinshaw was Alberta's chief medical officer of health through essentially through COVID-19 and, and, and was was reassigned to a position on indigenous health and then kind of unceremoniously dumped. And uh, we've got a, a comment here from a from a physician, a practicing physician. We're going to uh, keep Dr. Rick's last name uh, anonymous just so we don't sort of throw him under the bus here and sewer him. And who, you know, it's kind of, you know, she it, went it, from zero to hero. Remember, everyone was well, zero to hero to zero or yeah. hero to zero. Sorry, yeah, yeah, no kidding. Right. Just no. like. Every- T-shirts of her and then just hatred. It Remember, people like, had yeah. the uh, the print off posters of yeah. her in their front windows and, yeah. and all this. And then you know you you get to be in a in a tough position, um, you know, as a as a, as a public health. Can I say personality and authority? Mm-hmm. Certainly, she the, became the, that for sure. The face of it, and you achieve this kind of rock star status. But what people probably, in, including us, didn't totally realize is the tough position that you can be in there in a highly politicized uh, and, and very tense environment like we saw in COVID where you have people with very real concerns about health mm-hmm. like uh you know my my sister i mean this is a hypothetical you know my sister or my wife or my dad is immunocompromised and they need leadership on this front and then other people saying my business is going belly up we're losing everything we need you to do this mm-hmm. and the politicians jason kenny at that time kind of trying to ride two horses at the same time and and, <laughs> and 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 a lot of the visual images and a lot well, on purpose imagine the horses start to veer in other directions and then what happens um you know and then and then public health officials with with members of the public probably not 100% in the know or fully understanding the role of a chief medical officer of health mm-hmm. and then who's making the decisions tough decisions. and so people started to really vilify Dr. Hinshaw and and like premier kenny at the time she was taking it from a lot of different directions mm-hmm. it's uh, like all our stars though we prop them up and bring them down right? love to yeah. tear them down man it's kind of how we how it all goes um we'll get to that in just a second dr rick's email charles adler coming up in in just a bit um how, how was veg fest over the weekend i saw you were spinning oh spinning gosh. tunes there and you had a bunch bunch of people turning out this was uh kind of a celebration of vegetarian and 
and and vegan cuisine. Yeah, right? it and, was incredible and a beautiful day. Obviously, we had the Real Talk Golf Classic on Thursday, yeah, we'll and then that. Saturday went out there, and oh my gosh, it was just incredible. Got to meet up here. Here's our buddy grocer from uh <laughs> look at that freezing bros they had their vegan pizzas set up with beyond meat on it he he was sold out by like three o'clock so it was a big hit uh my buddy jordan wilkie of course from the green party came down and uh had, had just an amazing speech because he he can go so many different ways he knows about climate change he's a firefighter he talked about you know everything we're facing and how that ties in with you know and he was great because he didn't he didn't get up there and preach and say you know stop eating meat he said hey if you could just slide in you know, a meal or two a day, maybe three a week, we can uh, change things. And then I got immortalized. Look at this. Look at the official Veg Fest t-shirt. Like raising his hands up (laughs) on the Veg Fest t-shirt. There you are, pal. Center of attention. Uh, For those listening on the podcast, the the Veg Fest official t-shirt has a couple of food trucks with uh, pigs and cows and chickens dancing in front of them (laughs) without worry. I love that. Uh, Friesen Brothers, I know, is proud to be there. and They wanted us to remind you that, of course, uh, though they're known, originally established as a butcher shop, uh, established more than 65 Five years ago. As a matter of fact, they're coming up on 70 years, if you can believe it. Uh, they're strong supporters of the vegan and vegetarian movements, and you can check out more of those options in store or on their website at Friesen.com. F-R-E-S-O-N. I also wanted to take a second to tell you about the newest masterpiece from Friesen Brothers Mother Dough Bread Company Bakers Handcrafted Pies. These aren't like assembly line style. These aren't made by a machine. These are baked fresh daily with 100% real fruit, 100% Alberta flour for 100% deliciousness. You can find more information online at Friesen.com slash pies. That's F-R-E-S-O-N dot com slash pies. I wanted to give a big shout out to our friends at Complete Care Restoration. Fire and flood damage to help you recover, get back on your feet if you need mold or asbestos removed from a property. They were there supporting us at the Real Talk Golf Classic over the weekend. Uh, Johnny, who will ever forget this moment? The team at Complete Care Restoration makes available a signed Ryan Nugent Hopkins sweater, the warm-up this sweater. incredible. Right? The, the, the sort of pink and purple and white. Oilers jersey that yeah. they wore on Hockey Fights Cancer Hologram night. signed. It's got the official hologram. It's signed by Nuge. So Nuge just had his first season at 100 points. Mm-hmm. And also running parallel, the National Hockey League. We'll spend some time this week talking no about more. this. No more cancer jerseys. So those are all no more go military jerseys. No more pride jerseys. Let's be honest, that's what this is all about. Mm-hmm. So the NHL making one of the, one of the biggest flaccid, if I can say, uh, can I say this in in an ad read, a limp dick move on yeah. behalf of the NHL. <laughs> well, they're still going to have the knights. They're just not going to force anyone yeah. to wear. Anyway, yeah. a chance to show leadership, and they turtle. That's what the NHL did. But it drives up the value of these jerseys. And so Mark Cardinal, who owns the Dairy Queens, along with his wife, Michelle, the Dairy Queens in Northwest Edmonton, he wins this Nuge jersey and says he wants to donate it back for auction. And all hell broke loose. And all hell breaks loose. (laughs) And two minutes later, Cam Johnson from California Closets walks away the winner with a $3,500 donation. Pretty much sealed the deal for our scholarship next year. To the Julie Rohr Scholarship. Unbelievable stuff. That wouldn't have been possible without that donation from Complete Care Restoration. Just a bunch of beauties there of course they understand community and uh we give them two thumbs up this is a company you can trust at a low moment in your life fire 
flood, they'll get you back on your feet. We also wanted to let you know if you're a professional engineer or an electrician, maybe an instrumentation technician, and you're looking for a new opportunity, you're sick and tired of where you're working, they don't value you, they don't bring out your best, you're not realizing your potential, Check out apexautomation.ca. They're hiring right now in all of those fields that we just mentioned. Apex hires extraordinary people and gives them the opportunity to develop and reach their full potential, both technically and as human beings. They believe that people don't leave companies. People leave people. And at Apex, people matter. Start your career journey today at apexautomation.ca. I thought of you all weekend at Vegfest. Janice Irwin was down there. It was just yeah, a lot of politicians came down and just kind of showed face. I'm just face. curious that people yeah. are going to roll their eyes. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to make this political. Mm-hmm. But did you see any conservative politicians at Vegfest? I'd be curious to know how that might go. I didn't see any conservatives, but like someone like Janice Irwin, I know she's not a vegan or a vegetarian. It was it was just a good place for everyone to come together. And I think like everything we were talking about last week with climate change and everything, it's good to show face and just and just kind of be involved with this because you know it. it Again, I don't want to be that guy. I'm not that guy who runs up and slaps hamburgers out of people's hands. I'm just saying, no. like, 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 let's try. Let's all try and help here. Let's all try and help the earth because I know it's not going to get fixed. I always say this. I'm like, we're screwed. Guys like us, like we're, we're screwed. But maybe we can turn this thing around for, you know, some later generations. I just I wonder if things have changed enough. Um, you know, like obviously I, I, I can think of personal friends that are vegetarian, that are conservatives. But you remember mm-hmm. like back in the day, this is ages ago, but still. Remember when Katie Lang yes. uh, announced that she's a vegetarian and then just got absolutely piled on by the beef lobby <laughs> yeah. and by Albertans? And I yeah. just think it, it, to be a conservative politician in Alberta, can, can you publicly talk about things like solar panels and being a vegan probably not but i mean i don't know if you're a conservative politician in alberta i'm sure you're feeding your kid vegetables and and trying to tell them you know healthy living and that's what it's about it's about implementing more of it we know nowadays that we need more vegetables we need more whole grains we need all these things right katie lang is shout out to food in the nude she still stops by uh, some of the vegan establishments joseph online says the nhl move is awesome uh no more politics Mm. Um, I mean, I, I don't know if it's politics. I don't think that pride is politics. I no. think that there are people that, that vote all kinds of ways that are gay, lesbian, or trans. Uh, but I do think that the NHL is a hockey business. And I think that for business to grow, you got to grow the game. And I do think that was an, in- an initiative. But, but the NHL wasn't a tough spot. Because you've got stars like Ivan Provorov. You've got stars like uh, James Reimers. I don't know if he's a star, but like Eric Stahl, Stanley Cup ch- champion, his brother All Mark. All the stalls. I mean, you know, they're, they're basically saying like they're not going to wear the pride jerseys because they're Christian beliefs, and it's becoming more and more and more of an issue. And Gary Bettman probably trying to, I guess, head it off at the pass because what really was going to change if they didn't implement this? But you also, on, on the flip side, had the game's biggest star, uh, Connor McDavid, uh, saying that he thinks that nights like this are really important. You had probably one of, not probably, definitely, one of the biggest stars of the playoffs. I mean, Matthew Kachuk was still playing Brad with a Burns. broken oh, sternum trying to play, saying that he thought that that was important. He was proud to wear the jersey. So I don't know where that goes. Um, there was, obviously, there were reports that it, there, was, there was divisiveness in some of the locker rooms, uh, in particular in Philadelphia. And that's where, sad where, to hear. That's I mean, just- it's, it's sad to hear. It's discouraging, I think, for people that have been really working. We've had Dr. Chris Wells on the show before. 
with pride tape trying to grow that sort of inclusive element to the game. Uh, Justin's quite right to point out. He says, you know, the Oilers have said that they'll still do those nights. A lot of teams are going to still do the they'll nights. They'll still do them, yeah. Uh, but uh, but it's, it won't be mandated by the league nor endorsed by the league. So it, it's just one of those things where, I don't know, to me, um, I, I saw, I think it was Ken Campbell, the hockey writer. I want to give credit where it's due. Uh, one of the you know national hockey writers described it as the NHL turtling. It's and, such a, uh, it's a and, baby. And to me, it feels like that. It's the bare minimum here, guys. It's yeah. the bare minimum to just support all the communities. Yeah. Uh, Charles Adler, we'll get to him. But we'll, get, we'll, we'll throw that in front of Chuck again uh, coming up in just a second. But, but I wanted to touch on this story. So Alberta's former chief medical officer of health, Dr. Uh, Dina Hinshaw, uh, was hired, of course, after she left that role. Role, um, to a role within AHS serving indigenous people uh, up until she wasn't. Uh, this was the AHS Indigenous Wellness Corps, and uh, the group's senior medical director, uh, Dr. Esther Tailfeathers, also resigned out of frustration after Hinshaw was let go. Now, you may be able, if, if, if you have that sort of common sense coursing through your veins to be able to draw a direct line uh, between the appointment of Hinshaw to this new role and her dismissal, right? The Alberta election happens. Daniel Smith is there as premier. And whether or not it came from the premier's office or from the new minister of health, uh, Adriana LaGrange, which is a whole other different ball of wax that I'm sure we'll be talking about. Um, you know, Alberta's pro-life health minister. I wonder how that's going to go over the next uh, you know, number of months or years. Stay tuned on that. Bound to be flare ups there. Mark my words on this June 26th. But what message does this send? Is this the premier or is this a group within the United Conservative government paying back its base, ensuring that that polarizing figure, Dr. Dina Hinshaw, is not rewarded with a top position? Essentially, the, the call for her head answered, right? Well, Dr. Rick is a real talker and sent us an email to talk at RyanJesperson.com from his official account. We verify that this person is who they say they are, writes Dr. Rick Jespo. Are there any limits to Daniel Smith's vindictiveness? Uh, wasn't it enough to destroy Dr. Dina Hinshaw's career as a medical officer of health? Is it necessary now to deny her any opportunity for work in the public health field anywhere in Alberta? I know this could have been a trash talk, by the way, but I didn't want to wait till Friday. Dr. Rick says last week, a number of our fellow citizens were honored with the Alberta Order of Excellence. Dr. Hinshaw should have been among them. With grace, courage, and scientific insight, she led us through the worst, worst health disaster in 100 years. You know, there are countless people living here today who literally owe their lives to her. While Dr. Hinshaw was doing this, what was our uh, peerless leader, Danielle, doing? Well, she was promoting horse deworming pills as the answer to COVID. She was proclaiming that the defiance of, of protective common sense public health orders was the inalienable right of all freedom lovers. She was urging on the, these dupes and fools and thugs who took their convoy to Ottawa to terrorize the people there. Oh, she was everywhere, wasn't she? Floating like a butterfly, stinging like a bee. There may be those who buy the argument that Hinshaw's dismissal from a relatively low-level position was strictly an in-house AHS decision that had nothing to do with politicians in any way, shape, or form. Like Lincoln said, you can fool some people all of the time. Dr. Esther Tailfeathers wasn't conned. So far, she's the only one, aside from Dr. Hinshaw herself, to show any moral courage or principle. Good honor for telling Alberta Health Services and, by extension, the Premier to shove it. 
So what's the upshot of all this? Smith gains more affection from those whom she fancies to be her base. AHS loses two fine physicians at the peak of their careers. The next election can't come soon enough. That from Dr. Rick. You can respond anytime by sending us an email to talk at ryanjesperson.com. The best email every month is awarded a Real Talk official studio mug. Every Monday, Emmy award-winning talk host Charles Adler joins us from his home in Winnipeg. There he is with his official Real Talk studio mug. Is it true? Does coffee taste 22% better through those mugs, Chuck? That's what they say. Keeping it real. (laughs) Keeping it real, folks. Since 2020. 2020. Never more real than today. Can I quote you? Sure. Because this is a, a big day. Big, 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 big. Bigger than Canada, okay? Big, bigger than Russia with, with 83 time zones or whatever they have. Big day. Today, Ryan Jesperson said that the NHL is following a limp dick policy. <laughs> yes. And I agree 100%, but let me, let me go a little <laughs> bit further, okay? Because I'm not a psychologist and I don't want to play one on podcasts. But here's the big fat but. Every conversation we have on Real Talk, there's always at least one Big fat butt, and here's the big fat butt. It just seems to me that based on the sewage that I get in in replies, and some some days, some weeks, I just turn the replies off because I just don't feel like wasting time on a bunch of uh, hard right convoy kind of Danielle Smith kind of uh, conservatives uh, just filling up uh, the replies box with uh, you know pedo and uh, and groomer and all this kind oh, of stuff. Oh right, yeah. And, and I'm, st- I'm I'm starting to think that some of them have a limp dick problem. I'm starting to think that some of the people who are really into this bash the trans, bash the gays, bash the lesbians all the time, bash anybody who supports them. I'm starting to believe that they're, it's it's about their sexual proclivities. Otherwise, why would they constantly talk about grooming and pedos? And I'm not going to repeat all the other stuff having to do with sexual organs. I think they've got a I think they've got a limp dick problem. I think real talk today is onto something. <laughs> I never want to hear you say those two words together again. Joe. Johnny's afraid that we're going to get a hashtag <laughs> trending, Chuck, and he doesn't know what he's going to do about it. But yeah, what do you make? So the, so the NHL, I guess, is is trying to uh, Charles. I mean, I love hockey. Love, love, love it. Uh, on a sporting front, it's my first love and so this is not me piling on the sport but i have to acknowledge hockey is number four of the pro sports in the united states for a reason all right the nfl has a better product the nba has a better product the nba celebrates and protects its stars baseball has the tradition but hockey's been around just as long there's there's been something wrong with the way that hockey's marketed itself and told its story for a long time and i think that this is a continued step in the wrong direction well, I tell you this: uh, if uh, and and this uh, is obviously going to cause a lot of people to, to throw rocks uh, because they're going to say that you know hockey is a Canadian game. Here's the deal: the NHL is not a Canadian business. Okay, the NHL is an American business, and it's not a very good American business. If the NHL tomorrow was folded into the NFL, just like the Stamps are a, a division of of the Flames. If the NHL was folded into the National Football League, eyeballs would become magnificent. Hockey would grow. It would be better for everybody, every player, but most important, it would be better for the fans. And I don't think the NFL would be all over the map on this issue as the NHL is. But you're absolutely right. I mean, I looked at the numbers uh, for the playoffs, and 
as big a country as the United States is, 10 times bigger than us, the numbers they had for the NHL finals, okay, I'm talking about uh, Florida versus Vegas, their numbers were only slightly better than all of Canada. Now, that means that their numbers were 10 times worse. I don't understand how any game that can have as much speed and finesse and aggression as hockey. I mean, it, when you when you think about what is popular in America, what Americans love, speed, aggression, how could hockey not be much larger than it is? If it isn't as large as it should be, there's a reason for that. And the reason is NHL command structure. There is something wrong with the National Hockey League. Nothing wrong with hockey. Nothing wrong with Ryan Jesperson's love for hockey. Every Canadian's love for hockey, including this Canadian. But there's something wrong with the business of hockey. It is a Bush League, or as Ryan Jesperson said today, a limp dick league, and that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, well, I wanted to call the, the decision limp dick anyway. We're hitting our quota of times that we can say it in the show. Um, for extra credit, Chuck, I said it during an ad read, so I think that that should be noted. But you look, in all seriousness, at, at some of the some of the, 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 the uh, occurrences or the events through history that have, that have grown the game. Okay, now these are not all similar. Uh, these are not all equal in magnitude, but, but Wayne Gretzky uh, being traded to the Los Angeles Kings grew the game in California, right? And now you've got teams in California, three teams in California that are thriving. The Las Vegas Golden Knights are Stanley Cup champions. You know, Dallas had a uh, obviously a, a, a strong run to the cup. Hockey is healthy in the southern U.S. because of Wayne Gretzky. Look at the accomplishments of, of Grant Fuhrer, the great Oilers goaltender, and Jerome McGinley, the, the great Calgary Flame. Look at, look at other popular African-American hockey players like P.K. Subban, and, and you've got other hockey players of, of different backgrounds. Nazem Kadri, that became the first Muslim NHLer to raise the Stanley Cup with Colorado a year ago. I mean, you, you have these things happen where you see the impact of them when young people can see themselves reflected in the game and you see that impact 20 years later. Look at the growth of the women's game uh, around the world. I mean, it's not it's not just the U.S. and Canada that are playing anymore. It's women around the world. What about Luke Prokop, uh, the, the, the hockey prospect, the strapping young defenseman uh, that, that came out, uh, Nashville defenseman, I believe, that, that came out as gay like, like and told the world uh, last year and they talked about the impact that that would have in growing the game. These are all different and, and, and individual circumstances, but collectively, you look at their importance as having broadened the footprint that the NHL has, and sometimes it takes 10 or 20 years to see that happen. But I just fear that a decision like this sends the exact opposite message. It, it sends the message that this is a league that's not ready to show leadership. And that's a, a, a pretty weak message to send when you're talking about a trillion-dollar professional sports industry worldwide. The NHL is weaker than Vladimir Putin. Oh boy, I won't use the I won't use the other expression that's that's bothering Johnny. By the way, can I say something about Johnny that's that's positive that ties into Edmonton? Because it's you know, positive. You, you well, take all these yeah, okay, positive, okay, you know, all these shots get I taken. I love positivity <laughs> because you know there there are there are some people who think that Edmonton has a a football problem that you know it's no longer the the city of champions at, at the stadium there's some people who are counting the number of games in a row that the 19. the team has lost and all that okay but i don't want to i don't want to talk about okay. negatives okay? 20 well, I'm positive about this the 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 edmonton the edmonton football franchise 
has the best DJ in Canada as its DJ. If that doesn't say something positive about the Edmonton football franchise, I don't know what does. Johnny is the official DJ of the Edmonton franchise. Yeah, I think it's time. It's I think it's time that somebody said it loudly and clearly, and I think it ought to be said on this show because this show has been doing real talk for not just one year, but since since 2020. And I've been a subscriber of Real Talk since before Ryan and Johnny were born. Okay, that's called brand loyalty. I love it, Chuck. You and Dave Randorf from the NHL, there, uh, voice of the Tampa Bay Lightning. My two, my two biggest fans. <laughs> there you go, man. Hang on to that. Um, Ryan says uh, in our live chat. Well, let me get to David's first. He says the move by the NHL was done because they gave in to the homophobic attitudes by hopefully just a few multimillionaire players. Imagine if this backlash was for First Nations, Métis, and Inuit peoples. What if it was backlash for Cancer Awareness Night and the like? Uh, Ryan says maybe the NHL doesn't want to suffer the fate of Bud Light. Um, that Bud Light thing to me, just I, I, I just shake my head at that. I mean, I, I look at sort of the, the big celebrities that have sort of pushed back against Bud Light. If people don't know, Bud Light sent a couple customized cans to a, a, a trans woman who's, who's celebrating a year. And, and I don't quite honestly know as many details as I should about the story, except to say it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. Believe me, uh, Bud Light's okay. Bud Light's <laughs> going to be okay. They went from one to number two beer in the world. Oh. Well, and even then, everybody's <laughs> talking about them. And and like to be quite honest, I mean, if you're someone like Kid Rock, you know that, that sort of has had you know like every privilege, and someone like Kid Rock that like really I don't think uh, had any really need to do this, except for, you know we talk about virtue signaling. I mean, if that's not what this is, you tell me. But blowing away Bud Light cans with a with an AK or whatever he was doing, the air. 15 probably and 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 you've seen him you know a hundred other celebrities uh you know do the same thing because i I guess what they can't they can't what they can't handle like a a trans woman enjoying the same beer that they like like honestly if somebody could explain this to me (laughs) like was it that that bud light was was caught like you know with with mice in their beer cans or something I i don't know what it was uh but to me this is like the most pathetic and insecure pushback on a beer brand uh, that I've ever seen. Chuck, it's, uh, well, it's 1020 in Winnipeg. You could crack the bar. What is that there? <laughs> I just wanted to say that this is, this is my favorite beer. Okay. Erdinger, this, Erdinger yeah, Weiss. I just, I love it. Okay. I, I, this is, this is my favorite beer. And, uh, it was served to me on a Lufthansa flight a couple of years ago. And I have fallen in love with this beer. However, okay. This, this, there's, there's always a method to the madness. Okay. This beer is a more expensive version of Bud Light, okay? But, but Bud Light is just as good as that beer. And if I weren't a bit of a beer snob, I would be picking up a, a, a bottle of Bud Light right now as opposed to this wonderful Erdinger Weissbrow uh, beer. I would there, buy you a Bud you Light, uh, Chuck. Uh, Hugh is in our live chat. Says Hugh says, I golf with people who won't drink Bud Light now. It's weird. It's like they think they're going to like catch it I or something. To it. You switch to Bud Light? <laughs> well, I make a point like, you know, most places, most bars you go, most restaurants, they always have Bud Light on tap. You so see I, what Garth I just, Brooks said? If they said, got it, I go for it now Garth just Brooks, to piss people off. He's opening up a new spot. Where is Where's Brooks' new spot in Nashville or in Scottsdale yeah. or his owner or something yeah. like that? And he's like, right. I'll have it on top. His new bar, Friends in Low Places. He, <laughs> Garth Brooks, I mean, he, he dropped the A-bomb. He basically said, like, he said, if you're an asshole, we don't want you in my bar. There's plenty of other bars. He goes, yeah. we're going to serve Bud Light along with all the other beers. 
Um, you know, I, I, I just think it's such a weird thing. Seventh pilot in the chat says Bud Light doesn't, the story doesn't matter unless you own Bud Light stock. It'll bounce back. It's I think Budweiser sure. is going to be just fine. Friends in low places. That's his new bar. That's a cool yeah. bar. That's a cool concept. <laughs> that, that was my, uh, that was my theme song on Hot Talk in Calgary for, uh, for well over a year. And one of the best I, karaoke songs of all time, Adler. Hey. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't you wonderful. say? Uh, how about this one from Graham? Uh, with nice blast here on a Monday morning. He says, what do Danielle Smith and the Elks have in common? Uh, neither can win in Edmonton. Oh. That's, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty good, Graham. Uh, that's two points for you, buddy. We'll add that to the scoreboard. Hey, uh, Chuck, you, you, that, that little crack about Putin. Um, yeah. You're obviously, to say the least, a news guy. Were, were you kind of watching at 2.33 in the morning, the you know, 24-hour news coverage of this thing going down? What do you make of it? I, I think Putin's in, in big trouble, but one of the things that really bothered me about the whole thing was all of the people rooting for the guy claiming to try to overthrow Putin. Yeah. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to say that one guy is worse than the other. I think Bremer is, is on the money. The enemy of my enemy is is my enemy. But but the idea of supporting one war criminal over another war criminal, absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. I will say this though, and I learned this from my old man who was a prisoner in uh, in Stalin's uh, Siberia uh, for for three years, and my old man uh, taught me that when it comes to people in power in Russia or people vying for power, and he's not talking about anybody involved with liberal democracy, that's for sure. He's talking about the, he's talking about something current right now. If Mike Adler were, were here right now, I, I know that he'd be saying, you cannot trust the word of either. So whether it's Putin's uh, mouthpieces or the other guy's mouthpieces, we don't know. The most honest, you know, there, there is a, a guy who wasn't technically a philosopher, and a guy who cost a lot of American lives, certainly not one of my heroes. So I uh, tongue-in-cheek call him the great philosopher, uh, Donald Rumsfeld, who was uh, Bush's secretary of, of defense uh, during the uh, war in Iraq, uh, where Rumsfeld and Cheney and others believed that they would be welcomed by the Iraqis uh, with, with, with flowers. It didn't quite uh, turn out that way. And uh, Rumsfeld did say one thing that I'll never forget, so I'll call him the great philosopher. We don't know what we don't know. And that that is that is precisely to me the way to wrap up what happened over the weekend. It was crazy, uh, and we don't know what we don't know, and we 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 don't know who will be in power in in Russia six months from now, a year from now, two years from now. But the idea that uh, Putin is stronger today uh, because he made a deal and put this thing down, I don't believe that. I, I think that when when it comes to Russia, you always have to appear to be large. You have to be, uh, you know, mythically large. You have to be a, a force of nature and all the rest of it for uh, Putin to be doing a deal with anybody uh, that he's calling treasonous less than 24 hours earlier. I'm sorry. Putin looks like a weak man. I'm not going to use the phrase that uh, Johnny is not <laughs> fond of. Okay. So I'll just say LD. I think Putin is, is an LD right now. That doesn't make me happy. Uh, an LD with with all of these nukes and all of these bioweapons and everything that Bremer pointed out. By the way, if anyone is just tuning in this part of the podcast and missed Ian Bremer earlier, he is absolutely brilliant for a reason. And Ryan Jesperson, Mr. Real Talk since 2020, okay, uh, is uh, is putting uh, Bremer at the, the front of, of the bus today. That doesn't bother me at all. 
I'll follow Ian Bremmer anytime. Yeah, and, and that's not a thing either. Sometimes our big interviews are in the second half. We could have you lead off every Monday. Sometimes it's just guest availability, pal. Bremmer was available at 8.30 our time. There you go. But you bring us around. You're like, I told you, Donovan yeah. Bailey anchoring the 4 by 100 in Atlanta, man. Canada <laughs> taking gold over the U.S. That's you, our anchor on Mondays. Yeah, but, but let's face it, much of what you want me to do today is just sidekick stuff. I mean, I'm not I'm not complaining. Right? <laughs> I mean, I'm you know, sidekicking on hockey, I'm sidekicking on Russia, I'm sidekicking on on Johnny's DJ career. What's that's the- that's really what I've I've been today. I've been I, I, listen, I, sidekicks matter. I'm 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 happy to be one for you occasionally and, and today I think we're What's the we're opposite? Like who who is like if Robin's the sidekick, how do you describe Batman? Is it what is it? Hero and sidekick? What's yeah, your yeah, what's yeah, your Batman. hero take? Yeah. On this Monday, what's I don't your mind. Hero I don't take? mind. I don't mind being compared to Robin. Uh, I loved. Uh, I loved Robin. I grew up. Uh, I'm not calling myself Batman. Batman. And Robin. No. And I and I, and I must admit there there was a time uh, before I chose to become a broadcaster. I think it was eight or nine when I made that decision. But when I was four or five, I wanted to be Robin. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let me ask you about this. Is this is like a someone's like is he, is he going straight from? Adler wanting to be Robin. Me too, Adler. To the Titan sub. Shout out to all the sidekicks. Kid Flash. Yeah. Who's your Wonder favorite? Girl. Si- who's the best sidekick of all time? Aqualad. I don't even know who that is. <laughs> Aquaman sidekick. I say the best sidekick of all time is Leon Dreisaitl, but uh, I have a one. Le- you just called. Wait, you just called Leon Dreisaitl a sidekick. He is. is. That that, that's the most amazing part about the Edmonton Oilers right now is that the Art Ross winning Leon Dreisaitl, who almost held the playoff goal scoring lead. Despite only playing two rounds, Jonathan Marshall, so I think just edged him out right at the end, is the yeah. sidekick. And we are in, we're 55 minutes into the show. We haven't even mentioned that Connor and Lauren got engaged this weekend. Has yeah, anybody I seen this? Connor I McDavid? That. I, just, it's a, I just think the world of Dreisaitl, so hearing Dreisaitl and sidekick in the same line. I understand where you're coming from. But I don't know if a sports oh I don't know if a sports columnist that had to actually go in the dressing room and look them in the eye would ever call him a sidekick in print. <laughs> <laughs> but the chances of me rubbing shoulders with Leon anymore are slim to none. So hey, Lauren's uh, Connor's sidekick. Uh, or is Connor Lawrence sidekick? I don't know. He's just a very well-paid sidekick. Good for them. The young, Twitter, the young power couple. Uh, yeah, becoming engaged. Look at this. Over the weekend, Connor McDavid, Lauren Kyle, uh, an interior designer, and of course his longtime girlfriend. And by the way, was it the same month Connor's brother Cam mm-hmm. and his girl got engaged? Uh, Charles, there was some video that leaked. Over the weekend, it didn't leak. They posted it of the McDavid's, including mom and dad on the private jet on their way back from the big party. And I thought, oh, man, if only I would have worked a little harder on my (laughs) stick handling as a four year old. If only I would have worked a little harder. Um, Now, wait a second. Let's let's call a spade a spade. Uh, the, The power couple. That the Jespersons are, I would, oh, I would, you know, I, I mean, just the, the the last thing you ever need to do is 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 display any kind of envy sure. uh, for um, whichever lassie is uh, is is marrying uh, whichever superstar hockey player because I'll I'll put your lassie on the same plane. With, with any of them. Okay, I wanted to show you that. Thank you. I appreciate that. I wanted I, I want to deflect that as soon as possible. But look at this. We'll go to the Instagram here. Uh, this is Lauren Kyle Connors, now fiance, her Instagram account. Uh, look at that ring, by the way. If you're listening to the podcast, you got to go check this out. <laughs> Lauren Kyle one. And I'm going to try to zoom in here because somebody made a very good point over the weekend. Uh, is, is that ring shaped like an oil drop? 
It, it is, <laughs> and the ring, uh, because many people... I, is it I, actually? The, the, it looks the stats, like it. The stats, I, the stats I know, about 92% of people who are paying attention to this podcast can't see what we see right now. Well, it's, a, so it's it, what's it got to be it is, a quarter-million-dollar yeah. diamond. I don't know. Yeah. It's larger than Commonwealth Stadium. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Hey, Chuck, the... The world was kind of captivated by this Titan submersible. And uh, Johnny and I have been wrestling with this more off air than on air, um, which is maybe why we don't yet have a million subscribers. We're figuring this formula out. We're, we have all of our controversial takes off air because we, we, we don't want to, I'm going to be frank, we don't want to dance on people's graves uh, with stories like this, but we, we couldn't help but notice. Johnny, is it okay if I bring this into the light that the story is tragic and in a dark way, very funny. Like, it's horrible. Five people died, including a 19-year-old with his dad. It's brutal. It's horrible. I saw some people saying that it's not tragic. They were warned against doing this. They should never have done this. Uh, experts everywhere, including engineers, a bunch of them that co-signed a letter in 2018, said that this you know, this, this project would have catastrophic consequences if it went ahead. And, and guess what? It did. I don't know if that makes the deaths of five human beings, you know, five bereaved families. I don't know if that makes that hurt any less. Probably not. But the irony of going to explore Titanic, the, the, the sort of the brash, the, the you know, the, the, the leadership there, the, you know, Stockton Rush, the CEO of Ocean Gate, eschewing all warnings, basically saying he was personally offended by suggestions that somebody was going to get killed here. Uh, I mean, I mean the, the international rescue response, including from Canadian choppers and Coast Guard vessels, you know, meantime, compared and contrasted with hundreds of migrants who drowned. Uh, I mean, that story that we also paid attention to last week, those running parallel, one of them receiving a disproportionate amount of news coverage. I mean, there's a million angles on this one. Which are you taking? Well, it's, first of all, it, it's it's tough for me if, if we're talking about uh, you know relativity and we're always everything is relative to something else whether yep. we like it or not. So if we're we're talking about how I feel about five people who clearly and I please don't take me literally because I, I I don't uh, I don't despise <laughs> I don't despise money. Uh, my behavior would never uh, indicate. I mean, here it is. I'm I'm promoting this this overpaid over. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I, I don't despise money. Okay. Um, uh, rumors that I've turned into a socialist are are ridiculous. However, sometimes I do feel that some people clearly have more money than they need when they burn a quarter of a million dollars each. And I'm not saying the kid burned his own money. Probably got the money from the folks. But a quarter of a million dollars is what it costs uh, to get a ticket on that submersible, okay? So when you've got a quarter of a million dollars that you're going to be using to ghoulishly stare at a graveyard, because that's what the, the Titanic is, then, you know, some some people might say, maybe not me, but some people might say, that is the definition of having too much money. And to bring the business of, about relativity into this, um, it's impossible for me to feel more sorry for five people with too much money who want to stare at a graveyard as compared to hundreds of people who are with their children looking for an opportunity somewhere in the world to just have a life, not to have necessarily a, a rich life, not to have a spoiled life, uh, not to live the lives that these five people were living until the day they got on that particular submersible. They just want to, they just want to live. So it's very difficult, pardon me for having a bit of a bleeding heart about this, but it's very hard for me to feel more sorry 
for the five people in the submersible that the whole world paid attention to as compared to hundreds of people whose names we won't even know and mm. for then and and, and you know, just to be as real as we can here in real talk, because we've been real since 2020. Most people do not give a hoot about the hundreds of no names in the sea as compared to the five people who were in the Titanic. There's something, I guess, exotic about dying thousands of uh, of meters uh, beneath the surface. Yeah, Tony says all this talk about billionaires that willingly got into a tin can to see a shipwreck, but nothing about refugees that died off the coast of Greece. That's very sad. Um, you know, I, I appreciate even yeah, Haas as well says the level of arrogance displayed by that CEO of OceanGate was absolutely astounding. Um, I mean, everybody talk. It does, this doesn't matter. This stuff doesn't matter. But but the, the disclaimers, the waivers that people signed to participate in this essentially um, excuse and exclude OceanGate. I mean, the co-founder remains. I mean, the company still exists uh, from any liability here. But I know that there will be obviously a huge push now for for people looking for legislation or something. There was a great. I don't know if you ever listened to the podcast Today Ex- uh, Explained. Uh, Today Explained is like twelve to fifteen minute interviews talking about the issue of the day, and they had a great expert on. I'm talking about how you know we've we've got stickers, government certification, tested uh, certification qualifications on on things like baby car seats, bike helmets, uh, but you don't have it because they're launching in international waters on something diving down to thirteen thousand feet and charging people money to do it, uh, and it just makes zero sense. Before we go, I, I want to ask you about this story, like in Canada right now, you know. Bell Media, one of the giants, obviously, uh, asking the CRTC, Canada's federal broadcast regulator, to remove its obligations to local TV news. Uh, it's it says it's too expensive. I love, I love these guys. Who believes? Okay, does, does anybody with even a, a Marjorie Taylor Green level of brain? Wow. Who's who's the Who's the guy who's assisting uh, Danielle Smith? I know he's got a law degree, but anybody who are you talking about Rob Anderson? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So even if you've got this this little morsel of 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 a of a, of a brain like a like a Rob Anderson, okay, even Rob Anderson, okay, has has got to know that Bell Canada is in some ways bigger than Canada and has more money than 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 than. than you know, thousands of people could could line up. Hundreds of thousands of people could line up with twenty five thousand dollars to go visit a, a graveyard, and all of that money still wouldn't add up to even a trickle in the ocean of what Bell has. So when Bell is complaining to the CRTC that you know they they haven't cut enough throats at Bell, they haven't cut out enough radio stations, they just haven't chopped enough. They've got to put a meat axe through the news department. Now, who's going to believe that, A, that Bell can't afford to do news? And who's going to believe that considering Bell and others' charges for cable far more than American cable companies charge their customers, exponentially more? And and what is it we are to believe now? That these companies really don't want to run any Canadian content. They just want to repeat American content wouldn't it be cheaper for us to just get it from Verizon or the various American distributors than getting it from Canadian distributors who don't even want to run Canadian content? Uh, for people that don't know, the, the federal broadcast regulator mandates that there's there's got to be a certain investment, like actual dollars investing in you know paying staff and covering local stories, or at least 
news stories in Canada and dedicated airtime and, and Bell Media basically says it needs to have those conditions of license amended. It needs regulatory relief. They say that it's online competition that's contributing to losses that are racked poor, up in recent years. Bell. You know, one of the poor things Bell. I think is going poor, on. Poor Bell. You know, I know poor Bell and, and everybody's crying into their coffee <laughs> over so, Bell right now. I feel so sorry for Bell. Hey, I'm going to I'm going to widen out. I, I, I'm pretty sure if my math is correct that this this Rogers deal, this this sport net deal with the National Hockey League uh, is coming up in like a year and yeah. I'm sure that TSN would really like to get that one don't you think I mean remember they paid a million bucks to have the rights for the Hockey Night in Canada theme song and then they lost the rights to show for all intents and purposes NHL hockey minus some regional stuff uh, I wonder if this is in part posturing for that well one well, first of all as far as that hockey deal is concerned that is a one-night stand okay the NHL got really, really lucky. They will never, ever get the kind of dough that, uh, that 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 Rogers gave them, and I cannot imagine Bell, which owns TSN, uh, paying uh, even more dough. Um, I, I don't know how much, how much, how much the, the thing will cost. But just as you talked about the NHL devaluing itself uh, with this uh, idea of abandoning uh, modernity and abandoning uh, pride. Can you? I mean, honestly, God, right? Right? Do you do you think that the that the multiple millions that Rogers paid uh, for the rights? Do you think that Rogers or Bell or anyone will ever pay that kind of dough again? No, and I don't think that they can afford to. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure that it, it, that Rogers paid about it was it was like six billion off the top. Of that my was head. ridiculous. Uh, it was, six billion it was, over twelve years, right? And the, and the moment and the moment it happened, they had to start cutting, 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 cutting throats yeah. uh, of, of good, hardworking, honest people uh, who had uh, shown nothing but loyalty to uh, uh, to Rogers. I mean, the, the the NHL saw them coming. NHL took the money. Nothing illegal about that. But I just don't think it'll ever happen again. But you know, Bell can make the case that you know it's Bell Media Division can't live up to the business model. But the Bell Media division is just a small, once again, a trickle in the ocean of Bell. I just, I, I, I just don't want people thinking that a company that is making billions of dollars on 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 cell phone service, on cable, on a whole bunch of things, one of the richest companies in the world, can afford to do uh, local news. And this isn't me trying to, you know, uh, be a, a representative of uh, people involved in the uh, news business. I mean, there's a larger, there's a larger picture here. Uh, Bell and, and, and the others are essentially saying to people, cause that, that's what their cuts are showing that if you've got experience in this business, if you're a real pro, uh, you're basically going to be chopped. Nothing personal, just business. And really what they're saying is they want, they want as, for the, for, for the, you know, for, I guess staying inside the uh, the bounds of, of 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 the good graces of the CRTC, they will do a minimal of news, and they will do a minimal of news, minimum amount of news with people who have minimal talent. I'm not trying to throw rocks at people who only have a couple of years' experience in the business. Uh, you know, proud to have been a mentor to to many of them. But this idea that uh, a serious business, what should be a serious business, which is informing the public. That, uh, that people who have experience need not apply or people with experience should expect to have their careers die. There's something about this that is really, really unseemly. It's bullshit. It's, we should have never allowed these huge media conglomerates to be able to take up all these 
notches on the dial. We should have never allowed them to do this because it's not even about bottom line. It's not about sustainability. It's about every year an uptick, more money for the stakeholders, more money for the stockholders. It's not about just sustaining, making a good amount of money. We're talking about billions of dollars these people make and they just want to make more. Yeah. I and, mean, and as far as local news is concerned, Ryan, let, let's just uh, cut right to the chase here. Does anyone believe, I mean, you're, you're in Edmonton, I, I'm in Winnipeg. Well, I'm everywhere, but today I'm in Winnipeg. Anyway, the, the point is, regardless of where our arses are, uh, we know that there are wealthy benefactors in every one of these communities. We talk about them uh, when it comes to any kind of charity. And Ryan, you're involved with so many charities. Does anyone in Edmonton really believe that a strong benefactor couldn't own uh, a television station, a radio station, and put out consistently much better news and talk than is being done right now by these conglomerates. Yeah, well, I think you and I both agree that talk over terrestrial radio waves could be done better, but uh, uh, that that's personal for me. And I just think that, you know, businesses in media, uh, starting with newspaper and, and now including everybody, just hasn't done a very good job, quite frankly, to keep up where people's viewing and listening habits are going. People are going to podcasts now. They're going to live streaming. People use YouTube like they used to use TV stations. And thanks, by the way, to everybody that subscribes to Real Talk on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts but they haven't found a way chuck the big guys to monetize what they're doing and they're big huge machines i mean there's probably a titanic metaphor here somewhere um i just hope <laughs> that we're is, not the titan the thing is i mean we, we can't leave something out one of the reasons that so many people are being driven to podcasts like this and and, and online and all the rest of it is because the talent level is being shrunk I mean, let's face it, the, the, these, these, these Goliaths, okay, Bell and the others don't really like stars. I mean, they just don't. Uh, and, and, and the stars are the first to, to get to the door because uh, cutting stars, cutting the throats of stars gets them short term, a bigger bottom line, as Johnny was just alluding to. And if you're not going to have stars, I don't care whether it's a hockey team or a, a football team or a radio or TV team without stars. You just don't have a great business model. Mm-hmm. 100% sure. Tony says that's why the CBC is so important to her. Uh, says they provide local news all across the country. That's why conservatives are gunning for the CBC. Uh, I don't know if all conservatives are, but certainly it's been a popular conservative leadership talking point over the last while. It gets the base all riled up, right? By the way, do you find it hypocritical that uh, many private uh, radio stations, some of whom we've been associated with, uh, have uh, talk hosts on who... Uh, constantly uh, trash the CBC because it's one of the favorite talking points of, of of their of their conservative listeners and their conservative guests, and yet their newsrooms absolutely depend on monitoring the CBC, monitoring CBC local news. Is there, is there just a, a just a trickle of hypocrisy <laughs> in that? Yeah, I mean they'd be absolutely screwed if there wasn't a CBC. And this is the insider's take. Yeah, exactly. No, a hundred percent fair play, Adler. It's good to see you, my man. You going to go crack that air dinger now? It's almost brunch here, time. Here's a question that I don't need. The brilliant Ian Bremmer doesn't need to answer this, okay? okay? Ryan and Johnny can answer this one for me, I'm sure. Is it 5 o'clock somewhere? Because I am really effing thirsty. <laughs> you don't have to wait till 5 o'clock, pal. You've earned the right. <laughs> we never Thank do. You. you go right ahead. We never Bless do. You. <laughs> yeah. Bless you. Bless yeah. you. Charles Adler, every Monday, or at least the first episode of every week, uh, right here and only on Real Talk.
You know, it's not always beers that we're getting into earlier in the day. We should be clear that we're being facetious here, just in case anybody's taking this seriously. However, I will be honest, I did not wait until 5 o'clock p.m. to taste that Dilly Bar Shooter at the Mm. second annual Real Talk Golf Classic. That was on the 10th tee box. And a big shout out to our friends at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park who made that possible. Again, supporting the Real Talk Julie Rohr Scholarship. Another shout out to Mark Cardinal for donating the signed Nugent Hopkins jersey that he won back into the tournament so we could raise another 3500 bucks for the scholarship. This is a group, an ownership group at the Dairy Queens and Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Road that understands community. And right now, I want to remind you that DQ Cakes bring you happiness however you want it. You have a celebration coming up right now. Maybe the kids are wrapping up a school year and you want to surprise them with something special, something custom. Just imagine those world-famous DQ soft-serve cakes, the fudgy, crunchy, chocolatey middle. If you know, you know. It's the perfect way to celebrate any occasion. You can order yours custom or shop, browse, pick one up on the fly from the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. Make sure you let them know that Real Talk sent you. Our friends at Athabasca University want to remind you that this is a perfect time of year to take a few minutes and check out AthabascaU.ca. The AU experience is different from other universities by design. They're more accessible, more flexible, more equitable, and more personalized for everyone. So if you're thinking maybe this fall is the fall that you're going to head back to school, consider it doesn't mean you have to head back to class. With Athabasca University, your only commute is to your device, which means that you've got the flexibility to learn at your own pace on a schedule that suits your lifestyle. Athabasca University, Canada's anyone, anywhere, anytime, open university for advanced learning at AthabascaU.ca. It's an exciting time of year at local environmental services because, of course, there's a lot of festivals going on, a lot of community stuff happening, which means their side of the business that provides portable toilets, fencing, water hauling, those front load bins is booming. Communities are coming out in droves to celebrate the great weather. And, of course, if you're a decision maker for a municipality, for a business, and cost is something that's relevant to you, but so is service, the perfect solution to your garbage, recycling, or other event management needs can be Local Environmental Services. You can find them online at localenvironmental.ca. Don't forget, they present Trash Talk every Friday here on the show. Send us your rant. We want to see it today to talk at ryanjesperson.com. And our friends at Eden Landscaping want to remind you that now that we're into June, almost July already, boy, is it ever flying by, your yard doesn't have to keep on, well, kind of bumming you out, to be honest. The grass is patchy when it rains, it floods. The garden beds that you've imagined just haven't materialized. And quite frankly, nobody's using the space. Bring it to life with the team at Eden Landscaping, a full-service landscape contractor, which means they take you from the first meeting, the design consultation, all the way through to the finished product, and they don't leave till you're satisfied. You can check out their portfolio online today at landscapeedmonton.ca. 
In a second, we're going to get to an email from Chad. Uh, just absolutely made our month uh, when we received this over the weekend. It's going to be today's positive reflection presented by Kubi Renewable Energy. But before we go there, uh, we wanted to put something on your radar. And I've already punched the GoFundMe link into the chat. It's going to be in the show notes as well. Uh, we got an email from Hamid over the weekend. The subject line just read, help my coworker. Uh, Hamid says that he's been a long time real talker and says, I'm reaching out to you, Jespo, and the real talk community in hopes that you'll consider sharing the Mark McQuaid support campaign. Uh, this is one of Hamid's coworkers. He says, I'm sure that many of your audience members have heard about this incident that happened. It was a workplace accident on the West End LRT. There's a construction uh, zone there right by West Edmonton Mall. This is a local reference, obviously, as public transit moves out to West Edmonton, but but Hamid says, this is the guy, a coworker of mine that was injured. He says, I can't talk about details around the actual incident, but I can tell you that Mark McQuaid is one of those people that would give you the shirt off his back if you asked him, and now he's not able to return to work for a very long time. If you're watching the show live, you can find the GoFundMe link in the live chat. Check the show notes if you're watching this or listening to it later. Hamid says, I understand that there's a lot of pull on people's funds, he says, but this is a family that could really, really use this. Uh, Mark is a hardworking carpenter foreman at the Marigold LRT project, and an accident at work left him in very serious condition. Now, they're trying to raise money to ensure that he and those that rely on him don't have to stress about how they're going to pay their bills for a little while. He's going to require a long time uh, in hospital, multiple surgeries, physical therapy. Uh, he sustained horrific injuries to his lower legs and ankles, and uh, currently there's no return to work date in sight. And so this is something that they're really appealing uh, to the public. We can see some big donations. I mean, someone anonymously donated $5,000. Uh, we see Cole there just donated $750. Uh, they're trying to help out this Edmontonian, Mark McQuaid, and we're more than happy to spread the word. We're also going to tweet this out from our official Real Talk account. And Hamid, thanks for recognizing that this is a show that does respect and deeply care about its community members, about its audience members, about our family and that includes you and your colleagues working on that LRT project. Of course, this is the type of thing, a lot of people don't talk about this, that's also very traumatic to witness. And our thoughts are with everybody that was there. You can find the link if you'd like to, if you feel compelled to offer your support in the show notes. Every Monday, or the first episode of every week, our friends at Kubi Renewable Energy, you can get a free solar quote today, plus check out details on who they're hiring at kubienergy.ca, a reminder that there are so many good things and good people out there, that there are random acts of kindness, that there are bucket-filling moments. We celebrate those with a tradition we call positive reflections. And today's is an email from Chad, a real talker. This came out of nowhere yesterday, right around supper time. Chad says, as I enjoy the singular majesty of Jasper, Alberta, with my family, they're on the road right now. He says, it reminds me to be grateful for what I have in my life. With this in mind, I'm writing to express my gratitude to Real Talk for what you've provided. 
Uh, Chad sent a couple photos, by the way, with it. And we'll show you those. His view from Jasper is absolutely unbelievable. Uh, Chad says, sure, yeah, I'm a Patreon supporter. Thanks for that, Chad. He says, but I believe that you guys deserve more than just a financial contribution. He says, I also support like Netflix and Disney and Discovery and all those with money that's provided uh, me with less than what Real Talk does regularly. He says, and that's why I'm taking the time to write this message. He says, I want to thank you for exposing me to great local businesses and, and how they've bettered my life. Uh, Chad says, in my work, I often find myself with the amazing opportunity to help improve the lives of others. He says, but sometimes only with the immediate gratification we all seek. He says, so when this can be hard, I'm empowered by my desk uh, of recycled box car flooring that was custom made for me from your friends at Urban Timber. Look at that. He says, I reflect on how many people poured energy into that railroad that was the link from coast to coast. So critical in the foundation of this great nation that we call home. Where would we be if they had given up the push for a better future in favor of immediate gratification? Chad says, in addition, Real Talk interviews are relevant to me as a citizen. They've improved how I serve communities. He's an engineer. He says, now this has happened more than once, but most recently manifested when I heard that interview with Fireweather author John Valiant. That was last week. Chad says, the entire conversation was really good, but specifically relevant to me as I work in mainly indigenous and rural communities. He says, I immediately reached out to a nation that I'm working with on a women's shelter and what we needed to consider in construction that may impact both availability and cost of fire insurance for that building to ensure the facility's longevity to serve the community and the people in so need of support. Chad, that's amazing. He says, and I'm also grateful for how Real Talk, like me, strives for balance and understanding on the many sides of different issues. He says, I'm old enough to recognize that there aren't many perspectives, or that there are rather many perspectives to any topic, and I'm grateful that you can be a one-stop shop for them, as opposed to me trying to seek them out individually and independently. So thank you to the team at Real Talk for what you do. I hope you continue to push forward, bringing important conversations to the forefront, exploring diverse perspectives of issues relevant to our communities and to civilization. Chad, absolutely amazing. I can't tell you how much your email made our week. We really appreciate that. You can be like Chad and send us your positive reflection, a story that just made your day to talk at ryanjesperson.com, proudly presented by Kubi Renewable Energy. We will continue to bring you the stories that matter, and that starts again tomorrow, Tuesday. In the meantime, take a look through our recent shows, our archives on YouTube and podcast, and share them with people that you know might benefit from learning a little something, maybe a different perspective from the world around them. Thanks for being a part of this episode, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, Executive Producer Josh Dunford, Technical Producer John Hicks, General Manager Katie Cook-Chivers, Account Coordinator Lawrence Derlego, Human Resources Lena Shepard, Website Design Mike Johnston, VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandi Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a relay project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com. 